welcome to Hooplecast. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me are my newbie co-hosts... Carol. Matt. Mel. <laughs> and we're a bunch of Hoopleheads. And uh, I held out some straws to uh, to pick the guest today, and <laughs> the uh, person who picked the straw of the uh, appropriate length turned out to be Caitlin. So welcome to the show, Caitlin. Yay. Hello! Thank you! Hopefully Maddie doesn't drown you in a bathtub. No, Every- everyone else, guest. I put uh, I put my foot on them and uh, wait till they stop thrashing. You know, yeah. I'd be okay as long as it's clean water. Like, I don't want to go down in murky water. It's not, it's dirty water. Gross. Darn it, I do not accept. Dirty dope fiend water. Uh-huh. Yeah, they've been sitting in that all day. Oh, so gross. Who yeah. <laughs> water? It is, they shit their pants, so. Yeah. Oh. Uh, in any case, Caitlin, are you a new viewer to Deadwood or a veteran? I am a newbie. Okay. And I, yeah, so I started watching when you guys started, and then I kind of took a break and caught up. <laughs> but it's been a ride. I love the show. Good. Do you have a favorite character so far? I'm a pretty big fan of Calamity Jane. She's a bit of a mess, but I don't know. She's just got a good heart. True that. Everyone loves Jane. Yeah, no Calamity Jane this week. Oh. No. She was leaving last week, and apparently she's going to be gone for I don't know how long. Mm. Uh. I, think, I think she's everyone's favorite character to start with, and then as the other characters grow and develop, we may find form different attachments. Not me. She was. <laughs> uh, who was your favorite character to start but with? Maybe I'm heartless. I think you are. I like the doctor a lot. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, wow. he's a cool yeah. guy. Yeah, I like yeah, the doctor. My, I think he's my favorite character. Okay. And I like Seth Sanger. Aww. <laughs> Just want to give him a big hug. I do. I, I mean, I like a lot of the characters. I. Yeah, I still really feel like they're all developing. I, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I really know any of them all that well yet. But they're all really interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, our readers' theater segment today is brought to us from Tammy from uh, Intro to X. Hey, Tammy. And I thought this was a very appropriate, um, <laughs> appropriate article. Editorial from Black Hills Daily Times, July ninth, eighteen seventy-seven. Mr. Editor, the male portion of what is known as Chinatown are in the habit of gathering the intestines of the freshly slaughtered animals from the slaughterhouses, both in the vicinity of Deadwood and Elizabethtown, carrying the nasty mess to their homes and cleaning them, and scattering the awful promiscuously in that neighborhood. The citizens of both towns, in making their daily trips to and fro, are gratuitously treated with a scent that come near making one curse's maker for having been born with a nose, and wishing with Aaron that it had been cut off in its youth. Is there no remedy for this evil? I have been assured on the best of authority that of a well-known practitioner of material medico, that if the gulch were otherwise in a good sanitary condition, that this one instance of criminal negligence would be sufficient to create a pestilence. We of Elizabethtown pay our taxes and object to placing the health of our wives, children, and ourselves at the mercy of the almond-eyed sons and daughters of the Flower Kingdom, and ask is there no officer or officers whose duty it is to abate the nuisance? Signed, One of the Afflicted. (laughs) Whoa. The title of that article, by the way, is Chinatown Has Habit of Hanging Intestines of Animals. Hmm. Delicious. Any additional thoughts on that? Uh, got a little racist toward the end. 
Oh, yeah, well, that's fully expected with these things. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you're so understanding. Yeah. It was a different time. But I mean, time. everybody everybody is spreading their own poop all over the place, I'm pretty sure. Like, people pro- were probably dumping buckets They're of poop. They're all just as horrible. Yeah, it's just as awful. Everyone's dirty as everyone else. I was actually surprised that it didn't get more racist faster. Yeah. They actually contained themselves pretty well for most of it. There's only like a paragraph, so... I like yeah. that they say, is there no remedy for this evil? <laughs> like, it's the worst yeah. thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. I've seen worse things happen. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it called the Flowery Kingdom? Wonder oh, there are all kinds of names for for Asia. Mm. Um, Why do they keep calling them Celestial during the show, by the way? Apparently, Internet says that <laughs> they're referring to that because the Chinese immigrants referred to their homeland as the Celestial Kingdom, so the Celestial Empire. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, why. that sounds familiar. I wonder why. Maybe it's because it was, you know, well, their home. heaven on earth. Yeah. yeah. Well, if it was an empire and then they had an emperor, you know, there's a certain amount of like, like a pharaohs kind of associate them a bit it with kind of godly. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Well, every country has their own, their own names for their own, you know, places like you know, Japan is the kingdom of the sun. Yeah. Interesting. This is episode 10 of season 1, Mr. Wu, written by Brian McDonald, directed by Dan Minahan, original air date, May 23rd, 2004. It is morning, Sal and Seth are in the hardware store, Seth is fretting over volunteering as camp health commissioner, but never mind that, it's time for breakfast. My first note is, what does the clipper do? Because that's like some sort of contraption in their store, it's called the clipper. I don't know, I didn't notice that. I didn't either. I, was... it, I, I know this is a silly question, but for some reason, Seth's um, holster and sidearm seemed much more prominent than it has in the past. Is that just because he had his coat off and we've never seen Must be. his coat off before? Because it was like, that struck me for some reason. And yet he must have been wearing it. So was... his coat was off in this scene? Yeah, he he had his coat off and when he got up to put his coat on... He had a vest on, and I don't know, it just struck me as very sheriff-looking like, and, you know, mm. martial-looking, and and I just didn't remember seeing him with a, you know, a gun belt on before in town, but he yeah. must have, right? Yeah, I'm sure he always has it yeah. on. <laughs> he would, al- he would wear, always wear his gun belt. He would never be... But, it, I don't know, it just... <laughs> he wouldn't be caught dead without his gun belt. He, or he would be caught dead with his yeah. Belt. yeah. Yeah. So I was okay. It just it just took me out of it for a minute. I was just like, wait a minute. I don't know why. Do you think he's dressing for the job he wants, kind of thing? Making <laughs> <laughs> a fashion statement. Seth, sort Seth, of. Seth, why are you wearing that sheriff star? 
no I'm reason. Not sure he wants any of those jobs, especially after his little talk later on that we haven't gotten to. But maybe it's sort of a, an expectant thing. Like I could be tapped any moment to be sheriff, so I better be ready. I better be dressed. <laughs> huh. I think yeah. he probably is just being cautious, and especially since well, Bill just got killed. Mm. That feels like so long ago now, though. It does. Who's wild? Who's wild, Bill? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seth suggests to Eb that they use the fees levied on businesses for an infirmary and a dump. Eb says that the first priority is bribes. <laughs> <laughs> Notice how he he's dressing now. He's like dresses like a dandy with the frilly shirt and. Oh, I know the lace. The lace cuffs. Yeah. Oh. Ooh. Well, he that- didn't walk down the thoroughfare. He strutted. Because yeah. he's mayor. Totally did, yeah. He he owns this town. I wonder how many people in the town, just in general, know that he's the mayor now. <laughs> and everybody he meets, I'm sure. Oh, it's probably, probably. in the paper. And everyone reads the paper. But he That's... probably tells everyone, like... Mm-hmm. Did you know? I'm the mayor. Call me Mr. Mayor. <laughs> <laughs> well, as mayor, I would think that uh, <laughs> this would be the case. Hey, mayor, walk in here. Watch where you're going. I'm sure he would manage to slip it into any conversation, any statement that was made. Well, as E.B. Uh, struts down the thoroughfare, he spots Wu walking in the gem's front door, as well as our good friend, the titty lucker. <laughs> <laughs> he is our good friend, isn't he? <laughs> Your wish has been granted. All I could think of was, okay, everyone on the podcast wish has now been granted. Yay! I'm so happy we to didn't see get to s- We didn't get to see today's attempt, though. We didn't see how he, how well he did. No, no, it's best left to the imagination. I want to know what his high score is. <laughs> he obviously failed this time, too, though. <laughs> I thought they did a real nice job with setting up the racism against the Chinese. Mm. With having him walking through the front door be such a, a moment that everything had to stop, and the doors had to be closed, and the, you know, I wonder if the same thing would happen with a black man, like. Yeah, I'm sure it would. Mm. And and an Indian, Indian, they'd probably just shoot him. But. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, it always amazed me on uh, Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. how free Bowler got about. Uh, yeah. I know that's what I liked about that show. Of course, <laughs> I mean it's how, how many years later it's. It was almost 1900. It was it was 1892 in that show. Okay. So we're talking maybe 20 years later? Yeah. yeah. Still, it shouldn't be that much different. I, th- it, I think it also depended on where you were and what the local customs were. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. San Francisco, where that show was based, was probably pretty progressive yeah, <laughs> compared to the rest of the world. I, do, I, don't, I don't know. Oh. Well, there are a lot of Mexicans there, too, because of all the... Yeah. Mm. California is pretty close. Well, that was a family-friendly show, so I'm, yeah. it's true. I'm certain it's a, when Bowler yeah. walked in, they did say, Get the hell out of here! <laughs> it's a much nicer view on American history, but in Deadwood, we really see how America was built. And it was blood and money, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, sometimes when you're reading history, and you know, you get this idea of this kind of blanket thing of how it was everywhere, and then you'll find out that there was, you know, some community of whatever, whichever minority is being just totally, you know, messed up 
everywhere else that was getting along just fine with their neighbors and and there was just this open commerce and everything was good and then of course something happened to screw it all up but um there were these pockets here and there yeah it depends on the circumstance yeah unfortunately a lot of those times those pockets get uh, targeted by by people and destroyed eventually but Oh, but it was nice while it lasted. Yeah. Well, Wu tries to walk in the gem's front door, demanding to see Swidgen. <laughs> but Johnny quickly closes the door. Uh, t- well, he closes the door to the titty lugger. Come back later. Johnny's been... He was very judgmental this episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, he has somebody to think that he's better than. True. And we know he's, he, um, he shows good initiative, so... This is like seizing an opportunity. An opportunity to be racist and horrible. Nonetheless, it's an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, it's the opportunity to take care of the business. You know, make sure everything goes right. But what's interesting is how little Dan cares. Because later on, uh, Johnny says something like, do you think I should open the, the doors now? And Dan says, yeah, I believe that's what I would want. He's like, and then he like rolls his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Al wants to make money. That's all he wants. Yeah. Yeah. So are you saying that you don't think Dan cared that the that Mr. Wu came in through the front door? Probably not. They could, as we saw later, ushered him out the back door. And they could probably reinforce Wu's behavior. Don't come in through the front anymore. But J- Johnny just takes it to an extreme. Like, he puts yeah. the, the, the gem in lockdown mode. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Uh, He's trying a little too hard. And I'm just picturing him running around going, Auga! Auga! Yeah. <laughs> like a human alarm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whoop, whoop, whoop. Well, Al says bring Wu up to the, uh, to the office. And, uh, we get a little shot of Al pissing in his chamber pot again. This is like a running theme, I suppose. Mm. I was very surprised that I thought for sure that Wu would know better English. Like he'd just been playing this whole time. I did too. I really did too. Part of me almost wonders if he, if it's going to turn out later on that he does speak better English than. Mm. But there, there would be no better time for us to learn that than in an episode called Mister Wu, though. Yeah, exactly. But unless later there's a Mister Wu part two. (laughs) Oh, I want that to happen though. And it didn't. It didn't seem like there would be any good reason for him to keep up pretense in this one. Yeah. So yeah, I was kind of disappointed that he his English wasn't a little better than it was. We didn't get that much Mr. Wu either for an episode called Mr. Wu. Hmm. It should have been, been, been called The Problem with Mr. Wu. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's certainly the catalyst for yeah. the main plot. Yeah. But he was not the focus. Just how many opportunities does he have to learn English? Yeah. He really only deals with Al. Yeah. Everyone else, they don't want to have anything to do with him. Right. Al is surprisingly patient with him, though. He yeah. was patient in a lot of regards, I think, in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Though, the thing is that I think, I think Mr. Wu, he recognizes that this guy is a fellow businessman. Mm-hmm. And has respect for the guy. Oh, yeah. That was mentioned, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, he understands the guy's position in his own, in his community. He recognizes him as somebody who can keep order in his community and help Al make money. 
he has no patience for fools generally, but Al seems to have patience for for people who are not being foolish. Hmm. I've got a quote here from David Milch. Wu thinks of Swearingen as a guaylo, as a white devil. Uh-huh. He thinks of him as a god, but more than anything else, he thinks of thinks of him as a decent man. Swearingen feels the same way about Wu. He looks at Wu and he feels this yearning, this effort to communicate. Against his better impulses, he thinks, let me figure out what this idiot is drawing. Every time he figures it out, Wu gets so excited. That's what Swearingen loves about life. He wants to know. So, but that that's echoing back to when you were talking about uh, Al's relationship to, uh, what's her name there, Jewel, is it? Or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. seasoned Jewel. Something that ought to handicap her, and yet she she survives. Mm-hmm. And he wants to know why. And it's the same kind of case, huh. I guess, with Wu, maybe because, like, you know, he's got everything working against him with, like, all the racism and stuff, and just and being in a, a country other than his own, right? Maybe? But yeah, I mean, Wu was a, or not Wu, uh, Swearingen was an immigrant also. Yeah. yeah. He's that English backstory, so he must see... He must see himself mm. in other people. and Well, he's probably experienced, like, some form of race, not racism, but... Prejudice, prejudice. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true, yeah. And the more he understands about human nature, the more he, he can exploit it. Yeah. Wu communicates to Al that two white cocksuckers killed the men that were bringing the dope to Wu, which he in turn was going to sell to Al. Then downstairs, Al ushers Wu out of the back entrance and tells Dan to fetch the dope fiend, Jimmy Irons. The first time I heard his name, I thought it was Jeremy Irons, and so I'm like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy's iron. (laughs) (laughs) At Mr. Farnham's absurd restaurant, things are getting crowded. Merrick reads Seth's statement regarding refuse disposal. Wait. Wait, what? I enjoy, I enjoy Reverse. very. I enjoy very much how insulted uh, Farnham was that he had to stand outside with a titty licker. How <laughs> dare! He almost licked my titty. <laughs> <laughs> how dare they leave? Is me this the mayor? <laughs> That's funny. Is this where Al makes the comment about his clothes too? I think maybe. Yes. Yeah, a little later, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I've got that written down. That's a good one. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, keep going, Matt. Sorry. That's all right. I will, I'm always happy to pause the podcast to discuss the titty looker. <laughs> He's probably my second favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to have a good time. <laughs> he does. Hey, he's got his quirk, and he just runs with it. Literally. To- Literally, he runs, because he goes right <laughs> out the door. <laughs> and if he misses a titty, he does not let himself retrace his steps. Aww. <laughs> Aww. So Seth wants to begin finding people for not dumping the offal, manure, rubbish, etc. in the designated areas. And he wants to put those uh, that money toward a camp upkeep. Right. And so he's sending he after talking to the to the mayor, that was that was one of those things that they'd been debating at the beginning. Should we talk to the mayor or should we send a letter to the editor? They talked to the mayor and decided to send a letter to the editor. Yeah. <laughs> All the gentlemen stand as Alma and Sophia enter. That really is a small dining room. Like, how many tables are in there? Four? Well, on the Facebook group, Ina posted a building spoiler for the <laughs> next season where they've expanded that uh, dining room set. 
I was gonna say they they're mm-hmm. gonna have to expand it. Yeah. Oh, so why is why is it getting so popular? Because there's more people coming in. Yeah, I think it's just more. Did anything? Is it the only breakfast place in town? Yeah, I guess it Did seems it, to be. Yeah. Did something happen to make an influx of people show up, though? I assume it's just the fact that it's, you know, time is moving on, and that's what happened with gold. You know, yeah. they would... It just seemed to be, like, over the course of one episode, it suddenly got crowded. It could be the truce with the Indians. Oh, maybe. <laughs> it's now safe to go... I mean, Seth is sending for his family, we heard, or he's yeah. getting ready to. So, yeah. perhaps... Everyone else is kind of getting the idea, oh, it's a bit safer now, I can go now, and that's why it's suddenly crowded. Yeah, mm-hmm. The actual Deadwood had lots of restaurants, and maybe not lots, but they had multiple hotels, multiple restaurants. We just see the one. Maybe that's what, um, oh, what's her name? I'm blanking. Jane? No. Trixie? No. Joni? <laughs> Joni! Maybe that's what she would, should do. She Instead of... Well, she could open a brothel slash restaurant. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a great mix. A, a bed and breakfast and brothel. Ooh. <laughs> there you go. A BB&B? <laughs> Any one of the casinos and stuff could serve breakfast. It's not like, you know, wouldn't be that big a deal to... No, they could have breakfast at the gym. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's you know what you see today in like Las Vegas and stuff. You went over there. You always go to casino for breakfast. <laughs> Today's special canned peaches. Tomorrow's special canned peaches. Al <laughs> <laughs> did just get that gigantic side of pork or whatever. So make some bacon. They said they, he said he was looking for elk. Interestingly enough. Oh, maybe it was elk. Yeah. So elk bacon then? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think they've got enough pigs for bacon. Hmm. I don't know. It's not exactly corn-fed pigs, so I don't know what the flavor is going to be like on that. Would meat. you guys? Would you guys eat a pig that had been fed people? Would you do it? Hmm. <laughs> if you if you didn't, I guess if you didn't know, it wouldn't matter. But if you, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I knowing, I think I would be a little. I would have some qualms. Depends on how hungry I was. Depends <laughs> depends on how they acquired the cadavers, I guess. <laughs> that too. It it is very close to cannibalism. <laughs> it really is. Hmm. So they only killed people. They only throw people to pigs that were basically murdered, right? People. Uh, everyone yeah. else gets buried properly. Yeah. Uh. Well, if they're murdered by people who have the pull to send them. to to Mr. Wu and not be, you know, in trouble for murdering. And like, Wild Bill was murdered, but he wasn't murdered quite and try and keep it quiet. It was done in front of the whole world, so. I feel like everybody in town probably knows that Mr. Wu's pigs are being fed by yeah people. So And they're still eating the bacon. And it's rancid bacon on top of that. I wonder if it's literally rancid or if he just doesn't like it. I, there's probably two sets of pigs. You get your man-eating pigs, and then you get your pigs for the bacon. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I, doubt, I doubt no? Mr. Wu is that careful about it. No, I don't think they were... I don't know. What was the rancid comment? I don't remember that. That was from uh, the uh, newspaper guy there. Man, well, I can't remember anybody's name. about the hotel. Yeah, but he yeah. was talking about the rancid bacon, the... 
Right. T- but t- that- tasteless biscuits and all that stuff. Right. So that's not necessarily Mr. Wu's bacon from Mr. Wu. That's Well, we don't know where that bacon's from, but those are the only pigs I've seen. Right, so but I'm, I'm saying... Guessing. But rancid has to do with being old, therefore... No, I know. The Yeah, I know, I'm just making a point. But therefore, it would very likely be how long, either how long the hotel is holding on to it or treating it, or the fact that they buy stuff that is cheap, which sounds like EB is what EB would be doing. So my mind went to two places. The first place, uh, a Saturday Night Live bit where Will Ferrell says, uh, if you were starving, if you were a hot dog and you were starving, would you eat yourself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then... <laughs> If you were a hot dog. <laughs> no, keep going. No, you you did it. <laughs> I just said it. I didn't do. I didn't do the impersonation. Um, hey, what's your favorite planet? <laughs> Sun. <laughs> and then I was also thinking of uh, Seinfeld, where George's father cooked uh, in the military, and he got this like really bad meat, so he tried to cover it up with like spices. And then serve it because he was so such a cocky chef. But then his whole platoon got uh, the runs. And they all got they all got sick. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they, I read a whole thing on, at one point about why certain spices are used and having to do with covering the taste of old meat and such. Pretty much, yeah. That's yeah. why a lot of like like Middle Eastern food is like super spiced up. Yeah. Of, it was hot so there. hot over there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh. food runs faster. Yeah, but those spices yeah. are very delicious. Don't the spices also sure. preserve preserve preser- it a little bit? They help preserve it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Help mask yeah. the rotten. That's why you get spicy <laughs> in in hot climates. <laughs> yeah. Well, think think about how spicy kimchi is. It's like basically like rotting cabbage. Yeah. <laughs> it's fermented cabbage, if you consider fermented. I know. I know. I just like to say. <laughs> I like to say that it's rotten. <laughs> Okay. Must have, been, must have been terrible to have food poisoning back then. Think how bad it is now, but back then they didn't have like indoor toilets. Well, they didn't probably didn't really realize what the cause was, or mm. you know, yeah. Well, well, they might just keep doing the same thing and not really realize. Alice stuffing envelopes with bribes and instructs Eb not to steal any of it. <laughs> this is when Silas Adams. From uh, the Bagman from Yankton, played by Titus Welliver, comes in. Okay, where's where have I seen this guy? He's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah, you look, look very familiar. Yeah, he's been in a ton of things. I can't place which one was the last thing I saw him in. Well, he's been on The Good Wife. I think he might have been on Briscoe. Actually, his face look. Um... I think he's been on everything there is, but I cannot. I can see his face. I can't figure out which. Which show I'm specifically thinking of him in, though. This is probably the first thing that I knew him from, but he was the man in black on Lost. Maybe mm. that's it. No, I haven't watched any of those shows so far. Recently on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., he is on the a- Amazon series Bosch. Is it Bosk? Bosch? Harry Bosk? Yeah. It's a, like a detective series based on uh, books, I think. Yeah. Anyway... It's Titus Welliver. He hands Al a letter and takes the bribes. Then Al is enraged by what he reads in the letter, though we don't find out why until later. 
that it's actually a demand from the magistrate for more money to take care of that warrant, the warrant that Al has for murdering somebody in Chicago. Yep. Back at the restaurant, there's nowhere to sit, but Joni offers Charlie a seat. They talk about their respective businesses for about 30 seconds before everyone gets up and leaves. Mm. So what happened here? What? <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Sit down, have a seat, have breakfast. All right, time to go. Did he even eat? I, I think he did. He, they, he was eating while he was standing. He was nibbling on something when he was talking to Joni. I got the feeling that they were basically saying, you know, come join us, you know, this guy's group, and he felt the businessman peer pressure to to join them. He felt Not the pull this. of the he felt the pull of the ambulators <laughs> yes. calling to him. One of the hoople heads complains to Merrick that his ass was in his shoulder. Merrick really is a klutz in this scene. He is a large carriage. <laughs> yeah, but he's also doing all kinds of other, you know, like messing things up and and dropping things and his glasses falling off and his he's being quite a klutz. Yeah, he is. He's a klutz and a hypochondriac and just he he's hilarious though. I li- I like him a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, he's kind of pandering to the lady. He's such a gossip, but you know, mm-hmm. makes sense, newspaper man and all. But he definitely have down that, you know, he was noticing Joni, that's for sure. Speaking of Joni, I have some uh, quotes from Kim Dickens. I should have read these last episode, but I'll read them now. Joni is a chameleon. Transformation is her survival mechanism. But something deep in her soul, she knows that there is something more. She wants to shake loose of her existence, but her brain keeps saying, I can't do it. I have no idea how to function in the world apart from what I am as a whore. As she steps out into the world, she's like a sea creature setting foot onto dry land for the first time. Still believing she belongs back in the water, and yet experiencing herself standing upright and breathing air. Once Joni is on her own, the world is a complete mystery to her. She discovers her way as if she is being born for the first time. Hmm. And I think that's uh, when she was walking through that uh, Chinatown and saw Flora's uh, dress in the in the pig pen. She has this feeling of claustrophobia. And then she runs into Charlie, and she's like, Oh, I have to catch my breath. I got winded there. I don't know why, but I feel better now. <laughs> Coming back to to Joni in and calling Charlie over and all. Do you think that, you know, she, I mean, she acts as though she was looking for Charlie and stuff, which may or may not be true. But do you think she's got ulterior motives there, or do you think he just is kind of like a little security blanket that he, she ran into him at a vulnerable time, and, or is she, is she up to something with him? I don't think she's up to something with them. Like, when we saw their very first meeting, they're both kind of, like, vulnerable, and they shared that and kind of bonded over that. And so they kind of see each other, I think, as friends almost now. You know, she gave him a little boost, sending him to the town meeting so that he could feel part of things, too. Yeah, I think she recognizes his her own discomfort and his discomfort. Mm-hmm, yes. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, that's kind of my feeling, but at the same time, she's in a very manipulative business, and it had occurred to me that mm, it would not be unusual for someone, not just in her business, but who's been studying at the knee of people like Cy Tolliver to have an agenda. Perhaps she's doing it subconsciously. Maybe. 
even though she's like kind of like a learning out of the tutelage of Psy, I just don't think she has the same motivations as Psy. And perhaps, yeah, a bit more pure motive. I find myself wanting her to just really like Charlie and recognize him as kind of a a kindred kind of person who's trying to make it in the world and and blah, 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 blah. I kind of hope that's what's going on, but time will tell, I guess. Getting involved with her would be really dangerous, though. Oh, God, yes. Ooh. Mm. Mm. But it seems like three-quarters of the things that you can do in that town are dangerous, so... Yeah. <laughs> also true. Just but, eating breakfast is a hazard. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah, being there. Be- yeah. Just being there is pretty much taking your life in your hands. So. The men walk down the thoroughfare as Merrick blathers on and on about dining with men of character. He suggests they form a walking club. <laughs> oh, he's such a nerd. Uh, I, I yes. thought he was going to suggest they open a restaurant. Oh, that could have been thinking, funny, too. I kept thinking he had, like, a plan to, you know, open, like, a breakfast place or something. I, You know, I didn't know what. But a walking club just doesn't seem to deal with the problem that he was indicating. No. And I love that the guy, other guys are like, um, let's not do that. <laughs> if we just happen to be walking, we'll be walking. No, I want to, I want to have, I want to have a name. We're going to call ourselves the ambulators and <laughs> we're going to print up, uh, we're going to have like t-shirts and they all leave like so awkwardly, but he's still into it after they're all gone. I know. Oh. I don't know if he realizes that they all are not into it. Well, Saul gives him a little bit of a, um, you know, a hopeful sort of thing by by being nice to him as he leaves. But, uh, yeah, I don't think he wants to know that nobody's into it. What's funny, though, is that doing some uh, research for the show, uh, for the podcast, and pulling articles, I found a lot of, like, blurbs about walking, like how into walking people were. And I'll read you one right now. This is from March 24th, 1879, Black Hills Daily Times. The walking mania is becoming epidemic in Deadwood. Great, fat, lumbering old women and spindle-shanked girls, old men, boys, and the middle-aged denizens of both sexes can be seen nowadays rushing along the streets like cannibals going to dinner. What? So it's not a leisurely walk like in Pride and Prejudice, where they want to take a turn about the room so that the males can better appreciate their figures. (laughs) (laughs) What? What? Do you guys not know this? Pride and Prejudice? Come on. I just like that uh, paragraph because it has two of her favorite things. Walking and cannibals. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty awesome. (laughs) Back at the gym, Jimmy Irons is in Al's office. He's playing dumb about the dead dope couriers, but Al knows Jimmy and Leon were responsible because Jimmy reeks of cat piss. Then Al slugs Jimmy and Jimmy shits himself. (laughs) Uh, Al tells him, <laughs> "Yeah, Al tells him, throw yourself off the balcony." He, he <laughs> does. Th- this is funny because, okay, first of all, he wreaks a cat piss. Then he falls down. He gets knocked down, and he starts crawling. He shits himself. He says, "I don't think I should stand up. The shit's gonna slide down my legs." And he's crawling. And he's like, <laughs> "Oh, I got a splinter." You know what? Never mind. I'm just gonna keep going. And he goes over the balcony. And Al's like, "Now stay there." <laughs> Uh, I hurt my arm. You know what? It's fine. <laughs> I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna roll out of the way so I don't get trampled. 
this is so hilarious. It's like a, I know. That it's whole like an scene. actual comedy movie you would see yeah. it or something. I don't know. This guy should have been played by Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs> what made it good was that it wasn't being played for comedy at all. No. You know? It was just and it just made it so like, oh my god, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's one of my favorite scenes from the whole from the whole series. <laughs> Understandably so. It was pretty amazingly done. I just It was almost like that scene in Naked Gun where OJ Simpson just bad shit keeps happening to him like over like a very short time period. Have you seen that? Uh I have, but I don't remember what you're talking oh. about. Well he he gets shot by a whole bunch of guys, then he like falls back and he like hits his head on something and then he like steps on a rake or something and hits himself in the face and he's like, Oh and then he like goes uh against a wall and he's like he goes uh, uh, away from the wall and he discovers that it's wet, wet paint all over. He's like, oh no. And he's like, he's, he's already been shot, you know, to begin this whole thing. It just keeps getting worse. His only contribution to, uh, culture that's worth, worth a damn. <laughs> um, I didn't understand the cat piss. So what? Because he was like laying in a room, like all drugged up, cats peed on him? Is that what happened? Like what? Yeah, I didn't Which get it either. Which piss equates lying. I thought he was calling him a pussy or something. Uh, I, my my <laughs> feeling is that he's nervous and sweating, and when he's sweating, he can sort of he's emitting a odor, some sort of ammonia. Yeah, yeah. That's my thought. I just assumed that it was Al, like playing with the guy's head, where you know, I mean, because when he said, you know, lying smells like cat piss, and I just had assumed he was. I just didn't know where that came from. I had assumed it came out of Al's head. Could be. You know, where it was just like, almost like a um, a mentalist or a magic trick or whatever, where he's playing on the guy's, you know, the guy knew he was lying. Al is giving him a reason why Al knows he's lying, as opposed to just saying, I know you're lying. Mm-hmm. You know, stop it. This was something he could make dramatic and like big and all of that or it may be what you said about his sweating but i just assumed that al was being like yes i know you're lying because when people lie they smell like cat piss could be also your nose is growing <laughs> right exactly exactly one of my favorite things about this scene is how after a while al just sort of stops talking and just watches jimmy kind of like dig himself into a hole because <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy's crawling over the floor. I, I'm not going to stand up. Oh, I got a splinter. It's just, Alice just like watching him. Like, this guy is <laughs> like, what's going on? Oh, it's just funny. It's so funny. Alice sh- should have laughed. Alice like, Alice like appalled. He's like, <laughs> this guy is so pathetic. Yeah. Downstairs, the Reverend is at the new piano. Al thinks his presence is bad for business, so he politely asks him to leave. Yeah, mm. I thought that was. That was interesting how polite Al was to him. Well, he's his brother suffered fits. Yeah. So I think there's sympathy there. So he yeah. says, come back incognito during the off hours. Well, this seems like kind of an off hour. I mean, this is like early morning. Yeah, I was trying to figure out when they have off hours. Yeah. If it's not in the middle of the day, when when is it? I think they're open 24-7. Seems like. I have to say, it literally scared me to look at the Reverend this episode. 
Mm. He's really scary looking. Yeah, he's a mess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I felt really bad for him. When a combination of Al and, you know, the way Saul and, and um, Seth were treating him at the end, you know, it's just, it made me start thinking about in a time for modern medicine, when somebody was that sick, and it was obvious that it really wasn't anything anybody could do for him, other than make it, other than make his last days as as pleasant as possible, really would be a different way of of looking at it at it all, you know. I I think I think I may have got spoiled as to where this is going through Saints Row, the video game. <laughs> Explain. Wherein we see you, you have when you go to uh, to your weapons shop and you can buy these different weapons. Under the shotgun category, there is one called. It's called the shotgun itself is called Deadwood Dock, and it says cures all ailments with just one pull of the trigger. So I think the dock's gonna have to put him down later. Oh no! <laughs> with a shotgun? Yeah. I- I doubt that they would do that other than than uh, if he starts getting violent. Or if he asks for it. It's going to be an old yeller situation, guys. Or just does it himself. Yeah, maybe mm. if he asks for it. Oh, that's true. What if he gets uh, so hard to... Um, if he becomes so agitated that he grabs the shotgun in, in a moment of uh, lucidity and kills himself? Oh. Hmm. Maybe. I don't think he. I don't think he'd kill himself. Well, you're the one that knows, Matt. I don't know. <laughs> this, uh, this might be a spoiler. I'm saying, or it could be a foiler. <laughs> he's, you know, he's doing this whole thing about what God wills and stuff. To then commit suicide would kind of be going against everything that he's been saying all along. Yes, but like the doc says, he has a tumor in his brain, his brain chemistry is changing, you know, he's not being straight. Yeah, he's not being himself right now, so... Although that one thing seems to be pretty steady. I mean, he he hasn't changed his ideas about God at all, that I've heard. Oh no, he says he can't hear God or whatever. Yeah, he doesn't doesn't feel Christ's love. And he thinks he might be seeing devils. Because he's he knows he's losing his mind. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I mean, it's all revolving around you know God and and then when they reassure him, he goes back to it being God's plan and so forth. Yeah, I think he's still just coping. Even when they reassure him, he's like willing to, even though he won't, doesn't believe them entirely that they might not be devils. He just has to cling on to something. Mm. So. Really sad. Poor guy is really going through. So do you think that he was... Because, I mean, this just kind of got worse, but I'm wondering if that's why he seemed so intense, or was he intense even before he got sick? Hmm. I'm just wondering if that level of intensity had anything to do with him. Good point. Yeah. I kind of feel like he's probably always been intense, but I don't know that there's really a way for us to know. Yeah. But yeah, everybody always thought he was a little, you know, a little off, right? You can kind of tell. Yeah. A little, there's something off about him. Yeah. Which is why I didn't really like him, because he just kind of freaks me out, right? But I do feel bad. Hostetler walks into the hardware store. Seth was considering purchasing his property, but has yet to make a decision. 
Hostetler warns him that he's been approached with other offers, but Seth says, don't rush me. So this is the first time we've seen this guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the first I time like, we've seen any, any black person, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I mean, I had a note in here, what's going on between them? <laughs> Are we supposed- yeah, it was kind of out of the blue. Yeah, and then at the end, it, they kind of answered that question, but at the time, it was just like, what? Yes, who are you and what are you doing here? And why is Seth so hostile towards you? What did you ever do to him? He's been snippy all morning. He he snapped at Saul, too. Yeah, I don't think it's the guy in particular. No, he's, he's just, in a mood. Seth's in one of his moods. He's just snappy at everybody. Yeah, I mean, he he basically says that to Saul later, so full grump. It answered the question, you know, when he says he snapped at Hostetler for no reason. At the beginning of the episode, Seth says, Goddamn quicksand is what these commissioners' positions amount to. Saul says, Yes, they do. And Seth says, It's all a hoot and holler to you, isn't isn't it, Saul? Like, (laughs) calm down. (laughs) Yeah. He's just, he really is in a... He's in a foul mood. He is in a foul mood. He's he's in a... Maybe it's at the prospect of having to bring his wife and kid in. I'm guessing that a Those lot of has to do with the fact that he really likes the widow and and just what he says at the end, along with really liking the widow, the whole thing about not having said himself he left to start a new life and have a different life, and now he's putting himself back in the same position he was before. Eddie visits Joni at the hotel. She's in the room that Tim Driscoll was stabbed in way back in episode one. Eddie is going to back Joni's new venture by robbing Cy. Mm. What do you guys think of this? Oh, no, that's such a bad idea. Don't be a fool, Eddie! Gosh. Don't do it. He's, gonna, he's going to become bacon. He's going to become bacon. Through pig. Um, yeah. He's going to become secondhand bacon? Yeah. I don't think it's going to go well. Yeah. He should know better, but I guess you gotta get out some, somehow, so. Al is interrogating the dope fiends. They've gotten back less than half the dope. They'd like to return that amount and have a day start out of camp. But Al says no can do. Wu expects them to be presented as dinner for his pigs. Uh, Leon vomits. And then we get this funny moment where wordlessly Al is like, Dan, you clean that up. And Dan's like, Johnny, you clean that up. And Johnny's <laughs> like, Jimmy, you clean that up. <laughs> 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 they should have made the guy who puked clean it up. <laughs> clean your own damn mess. I don't oh. think he was in any condition. You're gonna stay there until you cleaned it up. Al's office must just stink <laughs> at this point. Well, yeah, with he's the murders piss, and the shit. He's and got the... piss pot there. Mm. I feel like the town itself is just sh- disgusting. Yes. Remember the plan where everyone was going to go out to the balcony to uh, do their do their business? Oh, yeah, the fart patio? The fart patio, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't really worked out. Inside Wu's meat shed, Swedgen will bring one cocksucker, but only one, because one chink isn't worth two whites. That's how, that's math. That's <laughs> Deadwood math. <laughs> that was American math at the time. Yeah, but Swergen thinks that if if he and Wu were to suggest any equality between the races, they'd both be strung up. Probably right. That's so sad. That is very <laughs> sad. Yep. I wonder if they if they feel like that there isn't equality be- between the races as strongly as everyone else, or if they're just 
being that way to know, conform. They're just, they're just realists about yeah. the situation. They know how people feel. They know that people like, like Johnny feel very strongly about it. I think Al is a pragmatist. Yeah. I have a feeling he really doesn't care about race or anything else. All he cares about is, I think, in his own head, probably people are mostly garbage. Yeah. No matter what they look like. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to figure out how they kept that meat shed cold. Oh, yeah. Because right. it looked, because it's above ground. I, you know, I would assume that back then you would store meat underground, but yeah. this is above ground. It looked like, I mean, it just looked like there was an air conditioning unit, like, and just blowing well, in cold air. If you throw in enough ice in a room, will it, like, keep itself cold? Like, maybe? I don't know. Ice will help, but where, but, you know, there's only... Who's, who's making ice and how are they doing it? I wonder... <laughs> exactly, where the ice come from. Up are in the we, mountain, I suppose. Are we going to have a season mm. of in the winter? Mm. We shall see. I want, <laughs> I, I want them to all be wearing parkas. When I was when I went to the Black Hills, it was summer, and the Black Hills are not tall enough to have um, ice caps on them in the summer. I mean, we know that the water is very cold, but it's not like he's got this shed next to the creek. So I'm just. They did um, store ice in the from the winter into the summer, but usually it was stored. As you said before, underground. So they, they must be bringing the ice. I guess they're bringing the ice to the shed. Mm. But why not just have the meat locker underground with the ice? <laughs> why go through yeah. the trouble of having the building above ground? It's a lot unless, of trouble to build a, a basement. <laughs> unless that was like a holding area till they, like they were selling it for when they were selling it, you know, or something. Like it was short term, so it's near the customers. I don't know. Al visits Cy at the Bell Union. Cy doesn't much care about Al's problems, so he can stand on principle that two whites don't equal a chink. His word's not mine. Al gets the last word. Bagman's here. Time to pony up your share. The bartender doesn't know where Joni is staying, but Cy tells him that if he does come across her, please inform her he has a real estate opportunity for her. Also, we learn that Leon is a thimble rigger. Zan. Good question. Thank you for asking. A thimble rigger, also known as a shell game, usually involves gambling in which a person hides a small object underneath one of three thimbles, then shuffles them about, while spectators try to guess the final location of the object. It's your classic it's a shell game. Yeah. It's like the cup thing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. The reverend's back at the piano, and all the horrors are dancing with their breasts flapping to and fro. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, once again very judgmental, says, My father was a preacher, and this ain't fucking right. Watch your potty mouth, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure he'd be very proud of his son at this point. Yeah. In one of the whores' rooms, they're also commenting on Chinese men walking through the front door, reverends singing and dancing in a saloon. Uh, world's gone to hell, says a, says a whore, who, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, one of the other whores is mocking the reverend by tugging on her eye and holding her head. Was that what she was yeah, she was hold she was tugging on her eye and she was holding up her leg like it was lame and like shaking it about. And I didn't realize what she was doing. I thought she was yeah. Like, I, can, I didn't figure out what she was doing either. Okay, thanks. That's, that's gotta. Well, that's my guess. That's gotta be what it was. Well, so, I, it, yeah, I think that's what she's doing. Yeah, sounds about right. Sounds about right. 
And the doc reprimands her. I'll cut oh. that out. Yeah, because she was being ridiculous. <laughs> and Al is in a is in a bad he's in a bad mood now. So he tells the reverend, he throws him out. Get out. You're don't come back. Did you forget our earlier conversation? And the reverend's like, yes. I just came <laughs> in because the music it helps my head. Oh. So yeah, not accommodating this time. That is not nice. No, he's not nice. Not this time. The doc tells Al that he's certain the Reverend has a tumor, and there's nothing to be done. Mm. Sad. It's very sad. Except use that shotgun. <laughs> um, yeah. It's my new prediction, I must it's be your, right. It's we your... know he has one, because he <laughs> cocked it when uh, Dan came to kill Sophia. Way True. back in episode two, maybe, mm-hmm. it was. You kind of need one in these parts. It's dusk. Seth is bitter that he moved 300 miles to repeat his past mistakes that is becoming involved in local government. Saul tells him that Seth's brother would appreciate Seth looking after his widow and child. Yeah, I get the feeling that's cold comfort. Mm. Mm. Saul also says, but she's a beautiful woman. Who do you think he's talking about? The wife or Alma? Yeah, they left it. They left yeah. it ambiguous. I assumed Alma, but. I guess we'll find out. Because he said but. They were, yeah. they were just talking about his wife, and then he said, but. Maybe his yeah. wife. Changed the subject. Maybe his wife is a note. <laughs> uh. uh-huh. They don't mention Alma at all during this conversation, but I feel like she's like in the background of everything that Seth is thinking and saying, and therefore that could be, but she's a beautiful woman. You know, the woman we're not talking about. Talking around, not about. Yeah. He knows what he's thinking. Or she, he might be referring to his brother's widow. His Seth's new wife. We'll find out. I don't know. Al tells Silas that uh, the letter he got was just the magistrate extorting him for more money, and I think Carol hit hit the nail on the head when she said that Al knows that this guy is just going to bleed him dry. Yeah, five thousand for the warrant. Not not a lot right now, but as we're seeing, it's taking more and more money to get this warrant quashed. Mm-hmm. But Silas is like, you know, I'll deliver whatever me- ever message to the magistrate you want. I don't really care. I'm just the messenger. I don't really care about any of this. <laughs> did you guys like Silas? Like him in did, did you form an, an opinion? or? Huh. I think he fits right in with Al and Cy. Okay. Yeah, I liked how this whole thing went down. He's like kind of learning the ropes of what's been going on with... Uh, Al, and then kind of deciding if he wants in on this whole thing. <laughs> I love the way Al takes people who he has he has a bad uh, start with this guy, and doesn't matter to Al. He just it's a guy he might be able to use, he might be able to do business with, so he just goes ahead and makes him an ally. Mm-hmm. Or actually, by the way he was treating him, makes him a flunky. Yeah, true. <laughs> He's already flunky status. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, when he started telling to get a haircut, it was like, okay, yeah. he's giving the message that you work for me now. Yeah. Al gives us a little exposition here, uh, in case the uh, audience is lost and needs clarification, I suppose. But he has to he has to give somebody to Wu to keep Wu happy because Wu's the source of the opium. But he can't give both guys, both whites. We we already just determined this is Deadwood math. He has to give one person. He can't give Leon because Leon is Sai's guy, and and that'll turn Sai on him. He can't really give 
Jimmy, because he can't look weak, because Jimmy is Al's guy, so what to do? And he's weighing the pros and cons with Silas, which I don't know if we've ever seen him do with Dan or Johnny, so I feel like he must think that Silas has an intellect about him. Mm. Mm. I think he was also using it to size Silas up. Yeah. To, it was almost like a, a test to see how he would react, how, what he would say. He already had a relationship with Dan. Johnny, he already knows is an idiot. <laughs> True. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do this with Johnny, but... I got the feeling that the whole thing was like a, a test to see whether this guy, whether he could work with this guy and, mm-hmm. and what kind of person this guy was. That and the fact that he brings him into the bathhouse and lets him witness the murder, I think he wants Silas to go back to the magistrate with an opinion that Al is very dangerous. So if the magistrate says what you know what happened in, in town, yeah. Silas could say, you, you don't want to mess with Al Swearingen. He's smart and he's a killer. I would hope the magistrate would know this, but... Yeah, he was so matter-of-fact about it. <laughs> I gotta go execute. I also got the feeling that he was negotiating with Silas for a whole lot more than being a messenger. Mm-hmm. A quote here from Titus Welliver, who plays Silas. The backstory that David Milch gave me was that Silas had been a knock-around guy, probably a fighter who'd been in the Civil War, and then had been brought in as muscle. When the magistrate Claggett saw that he had above-average intelligence, he brought him indoors and clerked in the law office. Hmm. That's interesting. I feel like Silas is smarter, definitely smarter than Johnny. I think he's smarter than Dan, too. Yeah. I, I never gave Dan much credit for being smart. In the bathhouse, the dope fiends are all drugged up. They're going to draw straws, but don't we want Leon to die? Because he's the loudmouth racist. Oh, yeah, I thought, like, he was being so annoying that I thought um, when Jimmy was drawing the straw and he would, like, go for one and he'd be about to grab it, and then I thought Al was going to give him a look like, no, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> so he would kind of rig it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, happen. logically, I knew that Jimmy had to die, but... Jimmy, at least, he's apologizing. He's trying to tell Leon, okay, stop being an ass because we're, you know, we're in trouble here. Uh, sorry, boss. Yes, boss. Thank you for the bath, boss. Mm-hmm. He's, he's very deferential and kind of artic- articulate as well, I find. I think all his behavior, because he's an addict, you know, he, know that he knows this is the way that he's going to get his dope next, so he's kind of Really portraying, I think, typical behaviors in the addict. Yeah. But Leon, I think he's going to die anyways. Everything. Oh, yeah. He goes Leon's back to Cy. Cy knows this. he was a traitor. Yeah. Leon's not long for this world, but... I have a note here. It just says, why did Al go through the rigmarole? I mean, why did he bother with the straws and everything? Yeah. If immediately he was just going to drown him. And, I mean, it's not like drowning... Well, that's the brilliant part. He can't kill Leon, because he can't get Cy mad at him. But he ha- And he has to kill somebody. So he has to kill uh, Jimmy. But he can't look like he capitulated to Wu. So he has to make it look like it was random what happened. But he didn't actually... I mean, he rigged it. He didn't let right. the other guy see the straw. So, And he did it in front of Silas as a witness. So that Silas and Leon both spread the message in camp that... No, uh, oh, Al didn't just kill his own guy for woo it was it was totally fair they drew straws yeah it was brilliant it was a brilliant out Mm -hmm. so al holds the straws out he says 
draw a straw, Jimmy, so Jimmy draws one. Is it the short one or the long one? Well, doesn't say. He just puts his foot on uh, poor Jimmy and drowns him right in the tub. Yeah, that's so gross. What a way to die. Yeah, and dying in dirty bathwater. It seems like it took a while. It takes yes, a while. It does take a while because we cut away to uh, the hardware store where the Reverend shows up. He's afraid that his friends, who he calls the kindest men in all the camp, may be devils. And if they're not devils, then he's losing his mind. Seth and Saul repeat their lines from the pilot. I'm from Etobicoke, Ontario. I'm from Vienna, Austria. And you're among friends. This is very sad. Yeah. And is this the first time that they've used, like, emotionally manipulative music to make us feel more sad in this show? (laughs) I don't think so. Feels like I really noticed the music this time, you know. Mm. I remember music when Charlie and Jane were standing outside of Wild Bill's grave. Mm. Seth and Saul invite the Reverend to uh, on a walk to go back to his tent, and the Reverend's like, yes, an evening stroll with friends. And I'm thinking right now that Merrick is probably uh, upset that people are ambulating without him. <laughs> oh, they formed a walking club without me after they told me they didn't <laughs> want to have a walking club. Oh. Not cool enough. <laughs> that club was my idea. <laughs> the Reverend usurped me. Oh. <laughs> I've been out-ambulated by the... <laughs> Maybe he takes the Reverend out with a shotgun. <laughs> oh, set, no, oh, Seth and Saul are just racist against gingers. <laughs> Prejudiced. They're actually horrible people. You know, just, we just don't know it. Quote from David Milch, I was doing some reading about something called Copgrass Syndrome which is where if you get a particular kind of lesion and it presses on one part of the amygdala, you lose the capacity to attach emotional associations to a recognized stimulus. Kids will say to their parents, What did you do with my parents? That's how I played that scene where the minister came to Bullock and Star and said, What makes you afraid is I don't recognize you as my friends. Copgrass hmm. syndrome is named after Joseph Copgrass. I may be mispronouncing this name. He was a French psychiatrist who first described the disorder in 1923 on the case of a French woman who complained that doubles had taken the places of her husband and other people she knew. Those syndromes are always either named after the person who discovered it or the per- first person who had it. <laughs> yeah. There, there was a, I saw some medical show that, that had that. I don't remember which one. Back at the bathhouse, Jimmy is done thrashing. Find out that Al, Al explains to Silas, you know, there wasn't a long straw or a short straw. I just I had to kill somebody, and it had to be Jimmy, and it was best that it we did it under the pretense that it was random, so I don't look weak among my, you know, everyone else in the cap. And you're my whiz. Mm. So Al brings Jimmy over to Wu to apologize, in quotation marks. He throws him in the pig pen. And Wu is appreciative, but Al worries that he'll be made out to be a chink lover, and what dangers that bring to him and Wu. So hasn't he been seen, or his men been seen in this neighborhood before, disposing of bodies? Like, why is it a big deal now? I don't think it's disposing of bodies that's the problem. It's the fact it's that... It's killing his own man. That a, a white man was killed on the orders, and it would have been worse if they'd actually delivered him alive to be killed by Wu. If they'd done that, then it would have been... But it was his own man, too, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Also, why were they so, like, earlier when they visited him and they had that whole, like, staged buying of meat thing... In the pretense, in the, they don't. Yeah, know. here I think there's no don't. there's no pretense, and there's people watching them, and like right. What? But they, I think it's what their relationship is is supposed to be pretense. 
That is that they aren't advertising to the whites that the opium, even though opium is known for being an Asian thing, that the opium was coming from the Chinese, and they don't want they don't want the the close the business relationship between them to be common knowledge. They want it to be, yes, I'm coming here to buy meat from you. I'm sure a lot of people do know, but again, it's pretense. Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yep. Yeah. This was a great solution. I think Al was very smart in how he went about about this. Yep. Yeah. Because I can't really think what else he could have done. Nope. And there's witnesses that it wasn't Wu that killed him, that killed the guy. It was Swearigen. And it was random, and it was Swearigen's idea, and that makes it better. Yeah, there's still the risk, as as Al says, of that people will find his consorting with a Celestial to be... Uh, they will not approve, <laughs> and they'll both be strung up. Right. And specifically, Sai, he's worried that it's going to take advantage of all of this. And we know that Sai's moving in on the territory, because he's going to build that emporium in Chinatown. Yep. Because we know that the Chinese are the most degenerate gamblers among the races. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason. Well, that was our one and only death of the episode, Jimmy Irons drowned by Al Swearingen. I feel like we're going to only get one or zero deaths from here on out, and with the occasional two, maybe three. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I think you're right. Well, let me find my prediction list. Oh, I'm missing uh, the information here. Mm. I have two... Hmm. You don't know what my, my uh, prediction was? Then I said one. I have, I have, you, as, <laughs> I have you as three. Damn! <laughs> and Carol as two. I want to say Mel was one, but I think she may have, like, jerked me around with giving me an actual <laughs> prediction. She never does that. I no. Know. <laughs> does, that about mean I win? does that mean I win? Does that mean I win? Does that... <laughs> you can keep saying it, but I'm not sure. I'll have to go back and look. <laughs> I win. I win! Yay! Go Your back and listen to the entire podcast to find out. I bet you I win. <laughs> Mel said one. Mel wins. Yay! <laughs> Other predictions. Carol predicted that Wu is the elsewhere engine of Chinatown, and we'll find out what he's been up to that the other camp leaders know nothing about. Well, not really. No. No. <laughs> Matt predicted Wu's food porn. Plus, Wu is a cannibal and chows down with his pigs. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, Mel we just have no evidence. Of that. Was, there was food porn, but it wasn't very attractive. Mel predicted that Wu gets his army of pigs to stare down women, and one of the pigs will be wearing a dress. <laughs> Damn. Oh, that that would have been amazing, but I I think I was pretty right, actually. Okay, if you can justify it, well, we make it. We'll consider it. Go ahead, plead your case. <laughs> well, he is the the drug distributor to Al. As Al said, you know, the show he was putting on in many cases was because he made it a point to make it seem as though he was being outfoxed by Wu to keep Wu's status up among his people and all of that. And Al was treating Wu pretty much as an equal when it came to being a businessman and stuff. Okay. And Sai didn't know that Swearingen was getting his dope from Wu. I think that indicates 
Spurgeon didn't know. I mean, uh, Sai didn't know who Wu was in the in the uh, hierarchy in Chinatown. Okay, you convinced me. <laughs> enjoy your point. Enjoy, enjoy your point. You made a good case. Enjoy your point. I'm never gonna get a point. <laughs> you just got a point. You no, got a point. I'm never gonna get a point for predictions. Oh. I've accepted that fact. But I can at least get a p- point for death predictions. <laughs> you got you got a point for deaths. Yes, that is the only one that counts in my mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here, no points, McGee. You have points. You usually not, get not today. Of, you don't deserve any points. Not Matt. today. You don't deserve. Sometimes you get all of the points, so we get to have them now and then. Yeah. Do I get a participation ribbon? <laughs> <laughs> You get a participation pin, and we'll just like pin your your skin no. as we put it in your shirt. No, yeah, I don't it'll pinch you. Keep your ribbon. Yeah. Well, <laughs> time for feedback. First bit of feedback is from Harold. Hey, Harold. Let's have our guest read it, Caitlin. Okay, sure. This episode feels like classic Deadwood to me. Compared to the past couple of episodes, it was much tighter and had several standout scenes. It is interesting that Al was so confident that he can kill Jimmy in front of Silas without any repercussions. Isn't he still on the hook for a murder warrant? Did he impress Silas Adams? Or is the murder of Jimmy just showing that Al bowed under pressure from both Wu and Tolliver? Eddie thinks he can steal from Cy Tolliver. He must be really smart or really stupid. Eddie, here's the good thing about the West. If you don't like being called a pedophile by your boss, you can always pack your bags and head out to another town where nobody knows you. I am really enjoying these little scenes with Merrick. Jeffrey Jones did a good job with the comedic moments where Merrick's girth kept causing him to knock over tables and stick his butt in someone's face. I also got a kick out of Merrick's attempts to engage in camaraderie, which go unreciprocated for the most part, culminating in that classic moment where he proposes the formation of the ambulators, despite everyone's obvious disinterest. I give this 8 out of 10 bathing dope fiends. And I think we discussed how murdering Jimmy doesn't show that Al bowed under pressure to Wu and Oliver because he made it look uh, random. Mm, yeah. With Silas as the witness. I have some written feedback from Nutty. Let's have Mel read this one. This episode was excellent, which shocked me. How could I love an episode so much without Jane? I give this a 10 out of 10 cocksuckers. Hmm. Al was pissed off and angry the whole time, which is great fun to watch. Seth was angry and and saw that being angry all the time isn't good. Poor Rev. Oh man, a tumor. Nothing to be done at that time. It looks painful, but also really sad to lose your marbles before passing. I feel real bad for him. But so does Trixie, Seth, and Saul. I think Al does too. Reminds him of his brother. You Salma worshippers got your moon eyes in this episode, but I got more Joni and Charlie, so I'm happy. Sophia making faces was cute, too. Mr. Wu wins this episode. He's awesome. I love how this all played out. It was a good plot, and it showed that, yeah, Al does bad stuff, but he thinks about it. He's okay with compromising when he can, letting Wu look awesome to his people, letting Sai think he won. Also, he can keep things going. Got to wonder if this messenger guy is going to become a bigger player. Hmm. From Nucha's. Thanks, Nutty. Thanks, Nutty. Do we think uh, Silas is going to stick around or come back at least? He's going to stick around. Oh, yeah. I hope so. I like Titus Wallover. If he, if he leaves to go to talk to the magistrate, he'll be back. With a new haircut. 
<laughs> All right, here's some audio feedback from Will. Hey, Will. William. Hey, everybody, it's me. I just want to leave some quick feedback before I head off to the Pride Parade. Yay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Wu, it's a good episode. I really enjoyed this episode. It features one of my uh, favorite you know, secondary characters on the show, Mr. Wu Kaksaka. Yay. <laughs> but yeah, that went out. Ashley, that may not have been, probably wasn't even my favorite part of this episode. I, I looking through my notes. I didn't really write anything down about that storyline. I was, I was feeling really sorry for the Reverend. I don't, from my previous view, and I don't even remember that part of the show, him and his troubles. And I just really felt bad for him, even though he gets this look on his face that when he speaks that really aggravates me. But Aww. yeah, but my favorite part of the episode was that the titty liquor got to lick some titties. <laughs> Gotta love it when a titty liquor gets to lick some titties. <laughs> and it was really great seeing uh, Titus Welliver, I have kind of forgotten he was going to be on this show because we hadn't seen him so far. But yeah, it was a great episode. I, I really noticed how they kept saying it was really crowded and really tight. kind of reminds me of that orgy I went to last week. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't go to orgies. Orgies come to me. Uh, anyway, I got to go, guys. When I giggle, I leak piss. I got to get that taken care of. Talk to you later. Bye. Uh, uh, oh, the best. Hmm. Will, you're just the best person. You're the best. <laughs> also, like how he implied that the titty licker was like born to lick titties, and by God, it do what he's born to do. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> he's his destiny. It's not he's a living up to his full potential. It's not a choice, guys. <laughs> <laughs> he has no choice. I was born this way. I'm the titty licker. <laughs> <laughs> Aw, now I want, like, aw. What? What do you like? What do you want? I want him to join the Pride Parade as a proud titty licker. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's not the same, but... (laughs) Well, he should be prideful of his his kink. It's unique to him, as far as we know. (laughs) Here's some audio feedback from Stephanie. Hoopocast. Hey, this is Stephanie. I'm sending in feedback for Mr. Wu. That was a fun episode. It didn't depress me. It didn't make me sad. It didn't make me want to see rest. Uh, except for the part about the Reverend. Poor Reverend's got a brain tumor or something. God love him. That was a great performance that that actor gave. Um, <laughs> swearing and interacting with Mr. Wu. That was fun. Funny, funny, funny. See ya. Sounds very calm where she is now. There's no uh, tornadoes going on. <laughs> that was a great performance by Ray McKinnon as the Reverend. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know how they did that thing with his eyes. Me too. Do you think uh, that was a contact, the... or do you think the actor can just do that? It's got to be a contact. Yeah. yeah, I think it's contact. Yeah, it's crazy though. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. But... It's. It scared me to look at him. All right. Last bit of feedback is from Moira. Yay, Moira! Yay! Moira worked very hard to catch up with us because she fell a little bit behind. Aw, that's good. So we appreciate it. Good stuff. Hey there, Hoopacast. It's Moira sending you feedback for Mr. Wu. Uh, let's see. I find the scene between Al and Mr. Wu 
really kind of hilarious in certain ways because, first of all, I think it's genius of Mr. Wu to realize he can draw a picture for Al in order to communicate. But it's hearing the two of them uh, going back and forth and the word cocksucker emanating down and filtering <laughs> to the people below uh, in, in the hotel. That, that seems just priceless. And this episode gives us the introduction of Silas Adams to the show. Um, he, I like the actor who plays him, and as far as the character goes, he is one smart cookie. That guy can keep up with Al's thought processes um, in a way that certainly Evie cannot. <laughs> so I'm thinking those two would make a rather formidable pair. And in an earlier episode, you guys were talking about, uh, you know, who's scarier. Cy Tulliver or Al, and I agree with you guys, Al hands down, because um, he sees what needs to be done, and he is not afraid to get his hands dirty, and he killed his own guy, because obviously he had the angles figured out to realize that was, in the end, uh, keeping him having the upper hand uh, over Cy. Um, oh, and in this episode we see these longing, long looks between Seth and Alma, I really do want to keep watching that storyline to see where it goes. Um, I thought the scene toward the end where Al uh, is forcing Jimmy to draw the short straw, because there were no long straws, probably. Anyway, I thought that scene was really uh, effective, and maybe not as brutal in some ways as other things we've seen, but because we know what's coming, it's just, ah, oh, it's, it's got quite an element of, um, you know, impending doom and creepiness to it. Or maybe what I mean is, it's got a cold, chilling, calculated quality to it that I found, um, effectively disturbing. And then finally, uh, I have to say, I was quite touched by the scenes involving the Reverend. It's so uncomfortable when you watch him, um, you know, at the gym, just behaving completely inappropriately for a preacher. And you know that he's not himself, and we realize or we discover from the doc that this is all due to a brain tumor. And my heart just goes out to the guy. I think even Mel, who finds him so irritating, has got to have empathy yep. uh, for him. You know, especially that last scene where he's so bewildered, um, and he's not even sure if, if Seth and Saul are who he thinks they are. That whole interaction is really quite touching. And I think it's a lovely contrast to the preceding scene of the murder because we see Saul and Seth as still the, the vestiges of, I guess, decency in that town. They're not the only decent men, but they are relatively consistently decent men. And anyway, my heart goes out to the road. It's got to be so frightening for him. He doesn't know what's wrong with him. And, uh, yeah, he doesn't know what to expect. That would be tough on anybody. So, overall, this episode is a good, solid one. Um, and I'm going to give it um, 7.5 out of 10 white cocksucker sketches. All right, till next time. Bye. Thanks, Mora. See, Mel, don't you feel bad for not liking what? Smith? Why? I I <laughs> am allowed to not like someone and still feel bad for them. <laughs> I know. Have we heard Moira say cocksucker before? I don't know. I don't think so. It's adorable. <laughs> it is. It's she awesome. has such a soothing voice, cocksucker. She whispers. <laughs> <laughs> she whispers. <laughs> Deadwood meets Field of Dreams. You just hear, like, cocksucker coming from the corn.
<laughs> I'll build a saloon and then they'll come. <laughs> Thank you for the feedback, Harold and Nutty, Stephanie, Will, and Moira. So let's rate this episode as our guest, Caitlin. Why don't you go first? Oh, heavens. Okay. Heavens to Betsy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. I quite enjoyed it. Um, even though it wasn't, like, as exciting, I think, as some of the episodes, it was fuller in terms of just story and interactions. And I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 drawing talks. Drawing talks? Oh, I get it. I know. <laughs> that was, a, no. like, uh, that was yeah. <laughs> Melanie. Yes? What do you give it? What would you like to rate this episode? Well, I I don't know how I feel about this episode. Like, I I liked it, but I was expecting something completely different, I guess. You're expecting more Mr. Wu? More Mr. Wu, and I feel like maybe I shouldn't have had that expectation, maybe. But I, I, I feel like, uh, no, I, it's fair. It's fair. I should have had that expectation. I it's called Mr. Wu. <laughs> I don't think I could have handled more Mr. Wu because all he said was cocksucker, and that's... It's annoying after a while. Yeah, but I was expecting him to be a completely different character, I guess. Yeah, too. me too. Yeah. So, yeah, how do I feel about all this? Anyways, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 toilet baths. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't as... It wasn't as... And I don't want to rate it because it wasn't as excited, exciting, you know. I don't want to rate it lower because of that, but... Well, that's generally how ratings go. Is it? If it's not as good as... Previous one. Yeah, I don't know. If it doesn't it give you what you want. Didn't do it for me, I guess. I'm not sure why. I could have sworn that you would have loved this one. It's no. It's, that it would have been funny. Funny to you. It was funny, but it wasn't. I didn't laugh as much as before. Matt? Um, I liked it. Um, I really like spending the day with Al and seeing how he takes care of his problems. Maybe this should, episode should have been called Al's Where Engine. It deals <laughs> yeah. with his problems. It should have been called Mr. Al. Although I feel like it's... it's Al's day out. I feel yeah. like this is every episode is Al dealing with problems. Yeah, and it's yeah. fascinating. He's, mm. he's so ruthlessly efficient. Um, and I like I liked the, the scenes with... Well, I mean, they're horrible, but I like the scenes with the Reverend. Um <laughs> I like seeing the reverend with a tumor. Oh, <laughs> I enjoy this. It just gave me feels. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna give it eight out of ten piano siren songs. Oh. And Carol, would you like to rate this episode? Let's go with uh, I'll give it eight out of ten reluctant ambulators. Reluctant ambulators. Yeah, I love this episode. It was hilarious. Jimmy crawling on the floor because he sh- shat his pants. And then getting splinters and throwing himself off the balcony. It was just the best. And the titty liquor made a reappearance. Yay. And it was just, it was just funny. It was a funny episode. The ambulators, the stuff with the Reverend made me sad. Mm. I love episodes that within a span of 16 minutes can make me laugh and cringe and feel sad emotions. I think that's the the hallmark of a good episode when it hits mm-hmm. all these different kinds of emotional beats. So, I'm gonna give this one nine out of ten. Nine out of ten heroin addicts blowing themselves with soap. <laughs> I didn't understand I don't what that understand meant. That. I, I don't know. I don't know what it meant either. But <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, it was. I don't like that character. 
Leon's Leon's gross. He's gross. I wanted him to die. We all did. Yeah. Caitlin, who's your character of the episode? My character of the episode. Uh, I'm just gonna have to say Al. He was just the man. Did everything. Everyone's jobs. He wins a lot. I feel. Probably, yeah. He's probably the most the most uh, recognizable standout character of the whole show. I would say. Matt, who's your character of the episode? Um, I'm gonna go Jimmy, because he made me laugh. Yeah, Jimmy. <laughs> and he'll never win another one. So. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd give it to Al. <laughs> Mel, pity vote. I don't know. <laughs> typical. It is typical. <laughs> <laughs> Time to pick. Come on. Walk us through your your thought process. I'm gonna give it to the Walking Club, the non-existent <laughs> Walking Club. <laughs> That's not a person. <laughs> Whatever, I can do whatever the hell I want. You can do the founder of the ambulators. No. Ambulators. Just, you oh. want to give it to Merrick? No. God, Merrick. no. Oh. I almost gave mine to Merrick. Almost. No, he's awful. I'm feeling... <laughs> I'm not feeling it today, guys. I'm not feeling any of these characters. Wow, you abstained from giving a let's, reward? Uh, let's see if we can fi- find find a character for Mel. I guess I'm not feeling any of them. No. no. What about the little girl? She said good morning. Don't go, Sophia. Don't. No. What about Joni? No. Why not? <laughs> what about uh, Utter. Charlie Utter? Charlie Utter. You can give it to the titty licker again. Could, but I don't like to pick the same character twice. What about the whore who who pees when she laughs? There you go. Good one, Caitlin. Good yeah. one. <laughs> it's not her fault. <laughs> What was that other one doing with all the faces? Why was she, like we talked about that? Yeah, she just, was making fun of the the reverend. Is that what she was doing? Yes, yeah. apparently. That bitch. <laughs> He's just only trying to help you. I I don't feel like the doctor was really looking at their vaginas. By the way, they were barely opening their legs. They were just like kind of a smidge open. I was like, <laughs> he's not really checking them out there. It's just something I noticed. <laughs> He's lost the passion when that happens, doesn't it? He's lost the passion for his work. For his work, His, his heart's just not in it today. It's just not into gynecology today. He's not feeling it either. Maybe I should. Maybe I should have given it to the doctor because he's not feeling it either. <laughs> would you like to, if you would like to change your your vote from the whore that pisses when she giggles to the doctor? That's fine. You want, you want me to change it on the I'll, spreadsheet? I'll give it to that exchange. <laughs> I'm, gi- right, I'm giving it to the whore. End of discussion. Uh, Carol. Yeah. Who's your character of the episode? Character of the episode. Um, oof. That's so tough. I'm going to go with Al. And the reason is because he was all over the place. I mean, he was dealing with everybody and was wheeling and dealing and... It really was about how Al dealt with everything in this episode. And he was changing gears in a split second. So, and even when he was dealing with the Reverend the first time and the second time and and everything with him, I'll give it to Al. Okay, cool. That's two votes for Al. Very good. Well, I will pick, I'm going to, I almost went with Jimmy, but I'm going to pick Mr. Wu because he was the catalyst for the whole uh, the whole plot with the heroine and he walked to the front door like a boss. You freaked Johnny the fuck out. He 
that that whole cocksucker scene is like an iconic Deadwood scene. Uh, so I can see that. I wish he had more character development, but obviously, since he doesn't even speak a language we understand, there won't be. But yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's a little thinly drawn, but I I still I still liked him a lot in this episode and. Since we haven't seen him in a while, the fact that he showed up and he made a pretty big impact right at the beginning, so. I'm gonna give it to Woo. Woo! Woo! <laughs> As the guest, Caitlin, if you have the first quote, feel free. There are so many good quotes. I. <laughs> I don't really swear much, so I try to avoid it, but. <laughs> yeah. This is the. This is your venue for swearing. <laughs> okay. Hope no one's listening in my house. <laughs> Okay, I really like this exchange between Wu and Al, and uh, pardon my not real Chinese speaking. Okay, <laughs> 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 and Al says, "Oh, thi- this is him dead. Oh, oh, hey, these two, oh, quite low, cocksucker. Yeah, but these are whites, eh? Whoa, white cocksucker." Okay, that's good. Okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know, there's a very safe quote you could have went with. By the, uh, the, the little this, girl. Oh, the little girl. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It was more like, good morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Does she look older lately? Did she change wigs? I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> she put on a granny okay, wig. Her hair does look very different, but... Uh, <laughs> I just want her in different wigs every episode. Like one time, it's like a green mohawk. <laughs> She's wearing a shawl, and uh... <laughs> Alma's just trying to find the best look for her. Her hair may have grown out enough that they could change the way she wore the wig or something. Wearing one of those see-through rain bonnets. Oh yeah. <laughs> one of she, those. Somehow this episode, she looked older to me. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's when they were doing her makeup. Carol. Do you have a quote for us? Sure. Anything the mayor should know? Name of another tailor? <laughs> Burn. Oh, nice. Ouch. Yeah, that one I wrote down as soon as he said it. Mel? <laughs> Please, take your passage, cocksucker. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's good. <laughs> Matt? Fucking new piano. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I should have given it to the piano. It was yeah. the star of this episode. Good call. Damn it. Damn it. No, I'm stuck with the horror. <laughs> I'm going to do an exchange between Al and Silas. Stop, motherless fucking whores. Fuck you. Fuck me. You know what he says here? No. Think you should have asked me that before you motherfucked me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He gets so he gets so insulted that somebody said that to him. Yeah, get used to it if you're going to be in Deadwood anytime. Yeah. Anyone have any other quotes before I go? Nice meat. Nice meat. <laughs> yeah. There was one about uh, as damp as your hands are. Why do you continuously lick your fucking thumbs? <laughs> <laughs> that is gross when people lick their thumbs before they turn a page, especially when they're touching money. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, that is gross. Yeah. There's Merrick's long thing while they're walking. Who would argue that the venue was the cause of these happy memories, nor the bill of fare? 
the bitter coffee, the rancid bacon, those stale biscuits that were the tomb and grave of so many insects. No gentleman, gentleman, it was the meandering conversation, the lingering with men of character, some of whom are walking with me now. There was such a pleasure to experience and such a joy now to recall. Good of you to say, Mr. Merrick. Yeah, back at you as far as that goes. (laughs) Nerd! And and there's a pause and everybody looks at Seth and Seth goes, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like like what he said, though. It's pretty great. (laughs) Um, Dave, go get a free touch from Wanda, huh? (laughs) A free touch. I love it. (laughs) I just like, I don't want it. What does a free touch entail? Like, she could be doing anything, really. Yeah. <laughs> she could just, like, be poking him in the stomach. <laughs> <laughs> or in the nose. <laughs> Bloop. <laughs> I have a much more specific. <laughs> okay, here's Al to Silas. Gotta go to the bathhouse. You want to accompany me? No one's looking to fuck you up the ass. I gotta go execute someone. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Your cravat's in your bacon. Yeah. <laughs> Mine causes cat piss smell. Science fact. <laughs> Science fact. You know, when you giggle, you leak piss. Science fact. <laughs> Science fact. <laughs> oh, I liked, this is not a funny one, but I liked when Saul says, people have made good lives out of borrowed ones before. Science oh, yeah. Science yeah. fact. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Seth cares that much about that right at that point. Silas, lift your lid. Yeah, get a fucking haircut. Looks like your mother fucked a monkey. Yeah. Science fact? No. Science, science fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my last one is Merrick and Charlie. Merrick says, Ah, uh, you know how many memories fond to the recollection have their setting in that tight little dining room? And Charlie says, Yeah, well, it's fuck now. <laughs> Charlie was very uh, standoffish with a couple people. He was like, hey, you you stepped on my foot, or you got a big mouth. He's like, I don't he's know. Out, he's uh, a little out of sorts. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing that unless you're ready for a gunfight in the Old West. <laughs> mm, that's true. Very brave. He seemed very, ag- <laughs> he seemed very aggressive for yeah. Charlie. Mm-hmm. He's stressed because yeah. of his new business. That's what it is. Yeah, and he doesn't have he doesn't have Jane around. He doesn't have while Bill around. Yeah. He's, he's friendless. Yeah, he's always... And then he's brother. like, he, he's sitting with a friend, and then he gets pulled away immediately. Mm. Yeah. Well, to to be forced George... to join an ambulating club. <laughs> I think he wanted to, like, talk to them, especially, like, Seth and Soul, but, and Jody was giving him an out. She's like, oh, I invited you, but, oh, you can go now, too, because I know you want to, like, make friends with these guys. Yeah. I think he would have liked to stay with Joni for a little while longer. Probably. In two weeks, we will be back with episode 11. Jules' boot is made for walking. What? Yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, man. I, Literally? Worst, worst title, worst title of the series. That's what, what it's called? What is it? Yeah. It's called Jules', Jules boot is made for walking. And all I can see is Jules State in front of me. <laughs> okay. Which doesn't help trying to figure out what this would be about. Oh, Jewel is the cripple. Oh, right. At the gym. Right. Um, Jewel. Well, she's Jewel. going to join the ambulators club. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good um, prediction. I like it. Yeah. Um, 
she she's possibly uh yeah she's just joining the you know the the craze the walking craze that's she she creates a rival ambulatory club oh yes i like it (laughs) it's uh... for the misfits and rejects (laughs) (laughs) a really sad walking club they don't get very far the second the second the (laughs) second member is smith no but her boots are made for walking so what can we gather from this information I feel like she goes to, like, maybe, uh, goes to Al's rival, goes over to Psy or something. Ooh. Mm. She's a spy. No. Wait a minute, you're not even a cripple! <laughs> oh, you were, sorry about that. Let me help you up. She's, well, I mean, I think she's been with Psy long, uh, with Al long enough that, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna that's not the case, and... but that she, you know, maybe she leaves Al and goes someplace else, goes... But he's taught her to do so much, like how to yes. scrub bloodstains. Yes, she owes him so much. Um, it wouldn't be any better over there if Sai. No, it wouldn't be. But I just possibly you know, worse. Like, do you hey, think maybe she's... she goes to San Francisco or someplace? But um, I'm I'm guessing that she would stay somewhere in Deadwood, but, but that she maybe takes a different job. Okay. She is. I a, like it. She has an opportunity and leaves out. I think she's going to go work for Mr. Wu. <laughs> Yeah, because, I don't think because, that would because be a... Mr. Mr. Wu needs somebody to walk his pigs, so she's gonna start a, a pig walking <laughs> <laughs> uh, service <a> service <laughs> for Deadwood. <laughs> <laughs> Those boots are made for walking. Those pigs. <laughs> she starts a pig walking business. That's what, that's what her company's gonna be called. What? what? Jules' boots are made for walking these pigs. Dot 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 these pigs. <laughs> <laughs> She's got one customer, that's it. <laughs> he pays very well, he pays in meat. He owns a lot of pigs. <laughs> he pays in meat. <laughs> she eats her customers. Oh no. Oh, oh. man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. <laughs> uh, Any additional predictions, Matt? For, uh... pig, it was nice walking you. <laughs> no, I do. I do think she's gonna make some sort of stand for herself. She's gonna, she's gonna have, have had enough of abuse of scrubbing floors. But I don't know what that, what will come of that. How about a body count prediction? One. Okay. I'm claiming one. <laughs> Good, Carol. I wanted one. You can also have one, Mel. One. <laughs> what, Mel? You can't be the same as everyone. You know oh, that. One. Why not? Because you're you. One and a pig. No, 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 no. No pigs. You could say zero. That's another safe bet. Yeah. I will say zero, and I'll say that several uh, pigs get butchered. (laughs) You really think the Reverend's going to last another episode? I don't know. Mm. I think so. I think so. Okay. Tumors can take a long time. Yeah. Yeah, this one seems to be traveling pretty quickly. We're going to have to start thinking about... uh, Next season and various kinds of predictions that we can do. We'll do something else, but what? How many episodes are left in this season? Two more. Oh, oh wow. eleven and twelve. Yeah. Whoa! It's the so penultimate awful. episode. Next time uh, we'll be recording with Will. Yeah, I think no people will die this episode, but then probably several people will die in the final episode in a blitz of craziness. In that apocalypse you were hoping yes, for. Yes, in that crazy apocalypse I was hoping for. <laughs> The t- town of Deadwood will burn down. I don't know if this is historically accurate. But 
I wouldn't be surprised if the town of Deadwood burned down a number of times historically. Mm. Caitlin, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. I enjoyed Thank it. Thank you, Caitlin. Do you have any projects you'd like to plug? Whether well, they are on the internet or elsewhere? Stay tuned for the comeback of the Twin Peaks podcast. Ooh. And yes, I don't have anything much going on right now. Just just showing up and guesting. Yeah, I, I like to live on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter. That's cool. Yeah. At? C-A-I-T-C-L-O. Kate Clo. I heard uh, on a previous guest appearance you were talking about starting a podcast maybe next year or something. Uh, yes. I can't, rem- I can't remember what it was for. Haven. Haven. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like a sci-fi series. It aired on sci-fi. It's better than their typical fare, though. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, no, their typical fare is pretty crappy. I know, but I enjoy it. Uh, like Eureka and Warehouse 13. But this one's like kind of based on the premise of a Stephen King novella. That, yeah, so it's pretty cool. Which novella? Uh, the Colorado Kid. Mm, I haven't read that one. Yeah, I've read a lot of his um, stuff, but I haven't read that one. It's kind of like a murder mystery. But, yeah, the TV show delves more into, like, kind of, you know, unknown people of powers and stuff. But well, it's a good twist. Okay, sorry. <laughs> well, no, if anyone out there is listening who likes Haven, uh, why don't you follow Caitlin on Twitter and... When she starts a podcast, then you'll know about it. Cool, cool. Anyone else have any projects to plug? Still doing the same stuff? Yep. Same, same old, same old. Defenders and what we make. <laughs> yep. McKinley cast at some point. All right. Well, as usual, you can find us on our website, hooplecast.com, on Twitter, at hooplecast. Search Facebook for the uh, group. Go to iTunes. Leave a positive review. Five stars. Nothing less than five. Why would you, why would you give less than five? And send feedback to hooplecast at gmail.com. All right. That's it. Thank you. Bye. 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 I'm going to go walk off this breakfast. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Why is such a sad fuck you? Because science. Science. It's just science, though. It's just science, (laughs) though. All right. Oh, I forgot a quote. It's a Johnny quote. Oh, say it. Ah, no, 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 no. Close for a little while. Lick later. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best one. Time it is? No, what time is it? It's my favorite time. What time is that? It's bath time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's the bath time song. It's the bath time song. So if your feet are dirty, there's no need to worry. We can clean them off. It's the bath time song. It's the bath time song. 
And if your hands are yucky, get your rubber ducky. Come and sing along. Whoa. Turn on the water. Colder than hotter. That's what you Hey, guess what, Matt? Hey, what's up? Uh, Yu Suzuki posted a picture of a forklift from E3. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? Does that mean another Shenmue? Uh, I don't know. And, uh, Are you a fan, Matt, of Shenmue? Shenmue.com. Yeah, I have. <laughs> <laughs> what is Shenmue? Oh, it's my the voice f- acting is delightful. It's my favorite game ever. <laughs> what's a game? Yeah, it's a third... Was this a third person, third person yep. role playing ac- action kind of game, uh, story driven game? Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Sorry, it's just hilarious how you guys like totally have opposite game, like game. I know. Games. Yeah, isn't that? It's kind of cool. <laughs> it makes me laugh. <laughs> so, nope. does the forklift even mean anything? They've been teasing you for years, Matt. Well, apparently the uh, the. Shenmue.com website just updated its web hosting to Amazon web hosting, and when, Ooh, pe- when people do that, when people do that, it's because they're expecting large traffic. And Geo Corsi of PlayStation just started following Yu Suzuki on Twitter. Oh, it's happening! It's happening! Well, if you get your Shenmue, I want my Viva Pinata. <laughs> you're, you're getting Battle Toads. I told you. I don't you. want Battle Toads. <laughs> I know, but that's what you're getting. You guys are... <laughs> Ready to do this thing? Yeah, yeah it's, it's good. It's recording. Sure.
I'm reading about the Kentucky meat shower right now. What? Just a what moment. What is that? Kentucky meat shower? Please explain. Kentucky meat shower was an incident where chunks of red meat fell from the sky. <laughs> what? In an area near Rankin, Bath County, Kentucky, for several minutes on March 3rd, 1876. Nice. The phenomenon was reported by the New York Times and several other publications at the time. The meat appeared to be beef, but two locals who tasted it now uh, said it tasted like mutton, venison, or lamb. A local hunter examined the meat, declared it was bear meat. Initially, the meat was identified by Mr. Leopold Brandeis, writing in the san sanitarian as no stock, which he describes as a type of vegetable matter. Uh-huh. Mm. A meat vegetable? One of the theories is that the meat was disgorged by buzzards, who, as is their custom, seeing one of their companions disgorge himself, immediately followed suit. What? Oh. <laughs> I tasted this. Ah, that's crazy. Regurgitated buzzard meat. Ew. Oh, that goes down smoother and a little bit more tender. I guess that's true. Did, did you guys see the the story in the uh, on Facebook like two days ago about the lampreys falling out of the sky in Alaska? No. I did. What? Oh, did they figure okay. out how that happened? They were thinking that it was seagulls that had been. You know, hunting and they they ah. dropped them because in order to kill them. A lot of them had like marks on them that would fit with being held in the beak of a of a seagull. Did aliens! You... It was aliens. <laughs> Did you ever hear of that? Uh, I don't know what town it was, but a giant thing of like a molasses holding tank broke and like. Oh flooded. yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was a, that was. People died, and they oh, were like... Yeah. People died in molasses. They were cleaning that up for months. What a yeah. horrible death. sticky. What a horrible it's death just like boiling molasses. Yeah. That, was that Boston? That Yeah, I think it was Boston. I think so. I, it was somewhere, I think, in the Northeast. Mm. <laughs> it's yeah. rain molasses. No, wait! <laughs> so, so people are fed to pigs... The pigs eat the people. The people eat the pigs. The buzzards eat the buzzards eat the pigs. The buzzards vomit the vomit it onto the ground. The pigs eat the vomit. The people eat the vomit. Uh, eat the vomit. It just goes around and around, an, doesn't it? It's an Ouroboros. <laughs> a meat Ouroboros. Okay, this is disgusting. We're going to stop talking about this. Oh, a meat Ouroboros. It's like it's like a turducken, but no, a meat. A meat. There's nothing grosser than a turducken. <laughs> it's pretty delicious, though. A meat Ouroboros <laughs> is like a sausage link going around in a circle and eating itself. <laughs> Somebody must draw it. If you, if you were a meat Ouroboros and you were hungry, would you eat yourself? <laughs> Hi! What is it, the thing that where people, like, remember in the Middle Ages? Remember. Remember back in the Middle Ages? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I remember the Middle Ages when I was, yeah. So well, so well. Like, uncontrollably dancing? Like oh, dancing disease. yeah, okay. St. Vetus's... Yeah, there was like a craze where people just would like crowds of people would be start dancing in the street hmm. and control themselves. The dancing plague of fifteen eighteen. That's what it is. So mm -hmm. what exactly was it? Does it say? The outbreak began in July fifteen eighteen when a woman began to dance fervently in the street in Strasbourg. Lasted somewhere between four to six days. Within a week, 34 others had joined, and within a month, there were around 400 dancers. Some eventually died from heart attacks, strokes, <laughs> and exhaustion.
Um, it's like we took mass hysteria things that went on in the 15 and 1600s. Yeah, crazy, crazy times. As the dancing worsened, people <laughs> encouraged them to dance more. <laughs> what? Jump off the building, jump, jump. They believed that the dancers would recover only if they danced continuously night and day. Uh, <laughs> okay. Science! Yeah, and if you could swim, you were a witch. Logic was not a strong point at that point. <laughs> no. She, he might be referring to his brother's widow, his Seth's new wife. We'll find out. I don't know. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder anyways. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ugly? <laughs> no, I'm just saying thank you for your... Uh... <laughs> Do you feel ugly, Matt? <laughs> I do. Only inside. <laughs> I'm rotten inside. <laughs> I'm as rancid as that bacon. <laughs> You're just an old expired can of peaches, aren't you? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Don't look at me, you'll get botulism. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was totally fair. They drew straws. Yeah. It was brilliant. It was a brilliant out. Mm-hmm. Speaking of out, goodbye, Carol. Don't get it. This hasn't happened for... Maybe she needs to reboot her modem. Maybe. I find that rebooting my modem and router often helps. Or yelling at them and making them feel bad. You're a bad modem! Bad! <laughs> okay, modem. <laughs> okay, router. We're gonna draw straws. Uh... <laughs> Cut to you you with your foot on your router in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we should go eat our supper then. Go eat your uh, veggie burgers. We will. And we're going to enjoy them. Yeah. Just to spite you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, then. <laughs> we that's, all... a, that's our favorite thing to do, spite you, Matt. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <Yeah. laughs> no problem. Whatever. Anytime, really. <laughs> Anytime we have the opportunity to spite you, we'll do it. Oh. Tell us what you like so we can spite you. <laughs> <laughs> I love people who spite me. Oh, damn it. Oh, well done. Uh.